now tell me, have you ever had that moment in life when you're like, huh, God seems like he's calling me to do something right now. And the next thing you know, I think I'm losing my job. I don't, I don't think my job's working out anymore. God, where are you? What are you doing? You know, I've been applying for like so many more jobs and nothing's working out. But there's that other thing God wants me to do, but I'm not really sure if I'm, like, going to make money of that. I'm not really sure, like, how to even start that. You know, as a matter of fact, it sounded fun at first, but now it just sounds totally overwhelming. It's way too big. I can't do it. Mm, Too much. Why is nothing... Why is my marriage being attacked? Why are my children crazy? What is going on in the world? Why is there just total chaos everywhere I look? Why do I feel like there's still something for me to do about it? Because when life is hard, sometimes God's calling you to do something else. I know that's the hardest time to like keen in and listen and be like, okay, God, I'm totally ready to do anything you want to do. It's just really hard right now. Could you make it a little easier? And then it just doesn't happen. And we have to learn to pray strategies and ask the right questions and develop the right things and get into alignment of what he has called us to do. Now we can move back into the favor and the blessings and the talents and the gifts and the passions of everything that we know how to do to be used at the full service to his will, to glorify his kingdom, to help his people, and yeah, even to put money in your pocket. All that and more coming up in this episode. You're listening to Kendra D. Carroll of Ministry Makers God's Yes Girls. by Priscilla Shire and it's about uh, prayer strategies and knowing your enemy and knowing how to pray. In the first chapter of my book, in the intro part of the book, uh, I say pray and pray fervently that you will have to pray without ceasing if you want to walk in your calling. It is... um, And, and and she says, I wish I had the book in front of me. I'd, I'd highlight some of the things that I've highlighted from it. And I'm just going to try to go off of memory right now. But basically, like, it's not something you can mess with. It's not a weapon you get to set down. It's not something to take lightly. It is something that if you want your children and your husband and your life to be doing God's will, you must pray every single day and not take that lightly. And there were some things that in the beginning of reading it that was about, like, all being uh, spiritually attacked and what is constantly happening. And then the more that you're trying to get closer to God, like, the stronger that it happens. And I'm like, okay, well, I've already been through this. So I don't know if I want to read this book. <laughs> like, that's honestly, I was like, I'm, I'm not even going to say this is going to happen. I'm going to say that has happened and I know how to handle it because of the amount of what I've been through. And so even reading her words, I had to re-say the words over my own heart and my own life of, I will not walk backwards to read all of her baby steps of getting to 
be the prayer warrior that um, I have learned to become. And uh, the book is based off of War Room, and I am not far into it. I'm, I'm literally just into the intro, maybe chapter one. Um, but what I have found so intriguing is not only uh, how great of a supplement this is to my heart of getting people doing what God wants them to be doing, not just living for the world. And so many Christians are so guilty of living for the world. Now, before you get irritated about me calling you out on that or summing you up in that, I'm not just talking about sucked into a TV program or the other comforts of Americanisms that we fall into to not just be chasing Jesus wholeheartedly, but also the fact that we let money and security of things that are in place take hold over the presidents of where God is calling you. And if he, and and one of the bigger things that I am so frustrated with the enemy about lying to all of us of what comfort means. Because Jesus is our comforter, but we have exchanged that to say if I'm not comfortable, it might not be Jesus. And I'm like Oh, stop it. That's Satan's comfort lying to you about what Jesus' comfort looks like. Jesus' comfort meets you in the hard places, in the darkness, in the sadness, in the beaten downness that he comes and comforts your heart so you feel better, so you can dust it off and do whatever it is he needs you to do again. Satan's comfort says, turn on the TV, have some ice cream, get under a cozy blanket, and oh, isn't this a Jesus moment. And so we thank God for times in our life where we get to be restful and rest needs to look different for everybody. I have a podcast about that way, way early back. You can look back on rest and rest looks different for everyone. For me, rest is driving. I literally need to just take in this moment, take in his God's beauty, let my heart and mind unwind, sit before God in prayer in this time. I even do use movies. I I use movies to say, okay, God, this person chased their dream in this movie. Prophetically speak to me in that. And um, I'm going to be watching Secretariat soon because there was something back when Tanner was a baby and he's 17 that I had watched that movie and, and something was getting released to, um, even my husband, he like looked at me and went, Hmm. And realized that God given dreams and, and when women step up and say, I assuredly know that God is calling me to do this and I'm going to see it out because of my love for him. There was something in that movie and the determination of that woman who believed in something that made a seed of understanding start planting in our family. And therefore, I'm going to watch it again. Um, I'm getting off on many tangents, but comfort is, is not the same as what we've made it today in our American minds. And peace is not the same of what we made it in the American mind. Peace comes with that peace of passes understanding. You don't know why you have peace in a bad situation, in the chaos and whatever. It doesn't mean you don't experience chaos. It means you walk through chaos holding God's hand saying, I feel peace and that I am focused on God and his 
and his face and his direction for my life and nothing else is going to shake, detour, derail, distract, discourage, or place doubts over my life of what he is calling me to. That's the piece. It's not that you don't have chaos. And that's, that's a misconception that I think that we've placed in the words of wanting peace would just be, you know, it says peace like a river. And we think that that means getting to sit by the side of it, watching the stream and having a beautiful Sunday afternoon, but maybe a little picnic and some sweet tea on a very, very warm, cozy afternoon. But it says peace like the river. There is nothing peaceful about the inside of the river. The inside of the river is thrashing and waves are crashing and things are beating down on you. And it says beat down but not destroyed, shaken and not abandoned. That's getting in the river and being shapen to what Christ has for you. To be well-rounded like the rocks that come out of the river my husband listens to this he's gonna be so (laughs) he's gonna be like oh no here comes the river analogies again because man I read uh, about Beth uh, not Beth Klein that's my friend in Kentucky um what is her name Beth Beth Moore right Beth Moore and she has a book called Fruits of the Spirit and in Fruits of the Spirit it talks about peace like a river and it talks about entering um fights and conflict and and problems and getting beaten up by the river hitting the other rocks like how so many times we um bounce against people and they rub us the wrong way and we think we should just avoid that person but the book was making it that if if you're gonna take this and see pieces of fruit and peace like a river is a fruit and you want to come out round as a rock let God do some of that beating and character shaping that takes uncomfortable people around you to smooth off some edges of who you are that you better fit into the structure of his kingdom and what he is doing. Now, I haven't read that for years. So that's my own reinterpretation of what I got out of reading it. And man, were there some some relationships I went in head in and went, this is going to be a head-to-head fight but lord if you're doing something and you're character shaping and i'm knocking off edges for that person as much as it's surrounding me i'll take it and i went in with that kind of a fight and prayer (laughs) i can't say that you know you're gonna have to do that your own way and some of you have gentleness much more underhand than i did at that time and uh, gentleness is actually one of the major ones that i'm constantly working on Um, because I can see things so straight. I'm a little cutthroat about some things, but uh, because of God's gentleness and because of spending so much quiet time in the last few years with him, letting him strip away and redevelop and be keen to his heart, um, even when I don't mean to come on as strong as as I do, I've not really seen uh, the problems that have come in my lack of gentleness in my earlier years of immaturity in my in my life basically just being young and um, and then being in leadership roles young 
leadership roles young make you um, grasp that leadership role with a little more, I'm going to say tenacity and ambition, and they're not wrong, but you just don't have all the tools to hold it right. And now I hold my authority um, with protection against the enemy, but more loosely for people and the way that God wants to work it. I don't have this claim of this has to happen right this second, right now, or no other time will God use it. I've, I now know that God has all his perfect timings and there is no such thing as forcing those. And he continues to do that in my life as well. Okay, I want to get back to the book about Fervent and what it's revealing to me and why I am so excited to pick it up because I was going to put it down when I was reading about all the warfare part of it. And then when I picked it, uh, when, when I kept going, I got to the part of um, where she sees the women most attacked. And the very first one is in their passions. And uh, I think I've shared with you guys at least on ministry makers I have, and things are coming out more. Um, God's been talking to me about order, and that probably needs to be an entirely different podcast, so I'll just set that aside. Um, But he's been revealing to me order, and this order is the way that she put it in, in the book. And she said, first, Satan attacks your passion. And that's the part that I'm like, when people sell out to just a job over doing what they feel is making impact and doing what God purposely designed them for, their passion starts to cease and they are living life under their own circumstances of what they believe is holding them in safety. And although they can be praying and thankful for the job God gave them and thankful and God's still using it because he uses everything, they don't feel like they're exactly where they're supposed to be. They don't feel that goodness and favor of God over their life doing exactly what they are made to do. And therefore they start falling behind in their prayer life because although they can be thankful, they aren't praying harder to reach where God wants to take them. And so when that gets lost, prayer in itself and and hunger for life and passion for life starts getting lost. You start draining and and monotonizing and I don't even know if that's a word, but it's my word, which means to fall into monotony and and stay in its patterns um, is what that word means to me. And when you when you fall into those traps you are living out John 10 10 of living life to the fullest and and that is my first chasing heart and has been my forever heart it, and it's been behind everything I've ever done is that I want people to experience life and passion and my my husband actually challenged me yesterday of like, but why do you care about people? Like, people are so hard. <laughs> like, people are hard. Like, who doesn't think that people are hard? People are hard. And even a few of the assignments, which were not, they weren't my assignments, but there were people I ran into that, um, you know, I, I, 
I had an assignment to have a one conversation with them. I did not continue to take them on because they did drain me and that's not what my purpose is. And they're for somebody else and somebody else is calling and hopefully whatever I spilled on them in their one times, like I still was open to have the conversations. They got used me in this moment, but I left drained and frustrated about who that person was in that moment and couldn't see it in other, other younger kids being a problem that my gentleness and grace for someone struggling with that. Um, and it was, it was, a it was an identity issue that they wanted to wallow in instead of saying like, I recognize it and now I'm going to let God do his work and be done. But to choose to just stay and wallow, like, no, that's, I can't, I can't stay with you in your wallow. I'm not, and my, my heart is too passionate to see you restore your passion and just get excited about life. And, and so he asked me, why do you want to work with people? Why do you enjoy doing that? And, um, I remember not only do I have the answer from, the standpoint of my past of working with a horse and seeing their mind and seeing when it is a teaching train that I love doing. It's this teaching thing that when something gets what I taught it, whether that be a dog um, looking for the bird or waiting its time and feeling that reward of connection to its owner or a horse and their relationship of, of trust and, um, breakthrough or making some amazing maneuver and turn, um, in, in complete sync with their rider. Like those little moments of perfectness that you get to catch for just a minute, those light up my life. And I believe because I've had so many great opportunities already, so many things that I've gotten to just try and that most things that I do, I love life. I love doing life. I love new experiences. I love new adventures. And if I can bring somebody else along to taste life at that level, then that makes me happy. And so I think it comes down to my, my heart of teaching and then my heart of, of getting creative enough to break something in somebody or an animal and get that moment of aha. It's that aha. Even, even when it happens in my life, there's times that I'm like, God's trying to reveal something or do something. The struggles of where are we moving next when we're in between that limbo and have no idea what to do next or what God's going to do or what's going to happen. And those deep prayers of like, God, please show up. Please do something. Please tell me you have something in store. And then when the moment happens that it's all figured out, it's like, ah. I wish there were more climax moments in life. And so I think I hunger off of them for other people because we don't get to have them 24-7. There's mountaintop moments and then you're right back going down the mountain in another valley seeking out the next mountain that God wants you to get another perspective. And we've talked about that nine million times in this, in this podcast, but to walk with other people, then you get to experience mountaintop moments a whole lot more and see God working a whole lot more. And that excites me. That keeps me going. That makes me want 
to restore passions in people. And I know that if I can light one person's passion, that that is an overflow that the next person catches the fire and the next person. And it's things like my heart for creating business it means if you start out in your right business, not everybody is made to be a business owner. But you got some friends and some people who, if you are a business owner, that you put around you to help make that business happen, that get this extra blessing of doing life together for this grander purpose that's serving people. And when you serve people in your passion, the person that serves feels the passion and feels more rewarded and affected by what you do because you love what you do. When you speak from a loving, gifted, talented, excited, godly heart to just serve with your passions and gifts and talents, it changes the world. If you've watched some of uh, Dirty Jobs, I'm, I'm I'm not just saying Ministry is not just driving and praying over people, as I'll do today. Ministry is working a horse, hammering up a, a, a rail, building a fence. It's, ministry is the people around you, the conversations you have, your heart's work in what you do, and the way that you bestow that to others. And the blessing you feel, that's a full circle blessing that it blessed you to do the job. It blessed the person that got the job and it re-intern blessed your family, which re-intern ignites you to serve more of your community. It's this building block of passion that's shared in serving and loving one another from your passions and love and excitement. So the fact that that's number one on armoring up your prayers is to restore your passion because the enemy has done everything to knock it out and not believe that God has a good life in store for you. Good meaning blessed, full of good people and noticing your beauty and and just all, all the things, all the things he has in store. So I pray for you today if you're one who has lacked in in your passion, who's fallen behind in seeing all of the goodness, who knows you're not where God's called you for this moment, that maybe you've sold out to some securities and comforts that are distorting passion and living life to the fullest. Today, I pray over you, John 10, 10, a reminder that the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, but the Lord came that you might have life and live it to the fullest. Lean into what he wants that to look like for you. Reignite some dreams. Sit down and journal something about God. What, what do I still want out of life? That's the season I'm in and, and we're in it. Oh man, I I think that's what a new year, a new reset, a new, anything new. If you're in a new place, a new job, a new, what are you liking about it? What else do you still want to have in your life? We are in a purposeful pivoting moment as a family right now to say, 
what are we keeping, what are we getting rid of, and where are we striving our focus forward of what God would have in store that we, we might ask it of him. Don't forget to ask it of him. If you just say, I think I want this because, guys, <laughs> I've had so much, so much taken from me, so much. The enemy has, has weaseled his way into my life and the things that I was thriving passionately on so many times that when, when, um, when I got to the point of being so lost, so confused, so stripped away and let the enemy wreak the havoc he was doing. Now, let me just speak over that for a second. When the enemy has attacked to that point, God will use, that's where the prayer comes in of what the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. And you will see that play out later, how, how that all came about. And I can see that in my life now. But in the moments of letting the devil wreak havoc and going through the warfare and going through the silence and going through the depressed hardships of where is God doing when he's taken everything from me? I get to a place and you'll get to a place where you say, I don't think I know what I want because it's obviously not working. (laughs) What I want doesn't work. So God must want something else. But then I read praying over your biggest dreams and greatest fears. And I read about the fact that God wants you to want what he has for you. And I had this conversation with my husband last night. I said, God, God never forces you into anything. He's a good, good father who wants you to want what he has for you. And he said, oh, sweet. So I can choose to leave all of this right now. I said, yeah, you're also choosing not to have his best. Continue to walk it out and see what's on the other side. But he'll let you make that choice because he's a good God. A good and gracious and loving God who does not force anything upon us. So that rocked me though when I first learned that. When I first saw I had to want what God wants for me. That was a huge struggle because I had gotten to a point that I didn't know what I wanted. So I now sit down all the time. And ask myself, Kendra, what do you want? What do you still want? If, if this moment right here is hard and you're not sure where it's leading, where are you hoping that it leads? What do you want out of this moment? What do you want this to turn into? And I'm going to throw one more thing and I'll let that hang you up. Because my brother asked this question of the church when he was pastoring. He'd say, what do you need God to show up in right now? And I would say, I don't need God to do anything. Because we know that him dying on the cross is enough. But the God of enough has more for you sometimes. Like sometimes we're going through some hardships because we got a lesson to learn in it. But sometimes... It is the enemy just keeping you there, making you think that God doesn't have something on the other side. 
that God doesn't have good in store, that God doesn't want something amazing for your life, and that that's just sitting through the push of the breakthrough of the ask him to help you do it. Because he has, he has a plan in who you're going to serve and who that's going to touch and what he's going to do with that want that he put in your heart. That want, as you chase after it, is not a selfish want. It does not become a selfish want. As it evolves into what it's supposed to be and it fills you to the top, it spilleth over on everyone else to grow the kingdom together. What is it that you want? What do you want? Because chances are it's what God wants for you too. Because he instills the dreams and the passions and the love inside your heart for you to chase and pursue after so that you can see the goodness all over your life. Amen? Amen. Jesus, name amen. I see the evidence of goodness all over my life. All over my life. Like we gotta be in a position to sing that. Beyond the breakthroughs, there's something on the other side. It's probably not as hard as you think that it is right now. The devil is making himself look really big in that problem so that you stay unpassionate about what God has in store for you. So let's light the fire and get passionate again because it's time to just sweep it up, mop it up, see that clean floor. God gives us a clean slate over and over and over and over and over again and his mercies are new every single morning. And then when we get to move into the passionate part, that is the excitement. That is why I get excited. It is, and again, because I know what it's like to be on a hilltop, thriving in who God made you to be. I know it from a travel moment, meeting the right person and extending prayer. I know it from standing on a stage and delivering a speech that I see somebody get excited about what God has for them. I know it from getting to sing music and enjoy my God talents and gifts from working on a horse like God has blessed me with so many talents and the enemy's tried to use that against me too. He's tried to make it look like a stirring going nowhere pattern because I had too many talents and too many gifts and too many things I could say yes to and oh am I so keen to that now so keen to his strategy to take all of my gifts and use them against me rather than together and instead I just keep replacing all of them at God's feet and saying you have purpose in this you have a plan for each and everything that you have me doing and now you know the order that it falls in and as I speak again about order the Lord will reveal those orders to me in the way of which he would have me serve, act, and use my gifts and talents. And I have to be ever so present for that because anything out of order, it's, it, okay, I'll just go ahead and spill the order thing now. It's not too long of a podcast yet. So order is, um, not just God your husband, your family, and then ministry and all the other things that God has for you. 
order also has to do with the way that he made the earth and that all things fed itself. So like the sun and the moon and the light and the darkness had to be created before grass because grass needs sun and water in the elements. And then, and he did all of the things that he created before he created the people on purpose. So, um, he's been showing me that for my business and for my ministry, that there are some things that I need to create and to do and to, uh, and to prepare and in order to do it, because if he had created the deer before he created grass to feed it, they would all die. And so he's like, if you don't do what I'm, you do have a lot that you're called to. There are a lot of things out there in different ways that you can serve. But if you do not serve them in the correct order, something's going to die because it didn't get fed in the proper order of what's going to feed the next thing. So I'm prayerfully moving through those order. And um, that's why reading Fervent was so exciting too, because it was like, not only has he, I knew that the book because I, the way that I wrote it and everybody who's read it so far, they're like, this is the order of which I am being attacked in, um, to become doubtful of my calling as they step forward. Each of the chapters were exactly on point to the next thing that they needed to be prepared for. And, and that was cool to see over and over again, that God had purpose to that order. Those, those, those chapters are not random. They are placed correctly and right and for reason and the other um the the other then to see to see the the attacks in the way that priscilla saw them of prayer order i was like that's so cool because it's pretty dang close to lining up what they are and so god of order is showing me the depths of order right now and and it's cool it's cool when we see god at deeper levels so um, I pray that you guys are getting to that point, being able to follow along. Book's still coming out soon. There are still other ways to participate with the book while we're in wait. If you want to be part of the launch team, please um, email me uh, directly, KendraDCarroll at gmail.com. If you, that's on your heart to be a part of uh the future launch team and some other things I have going. Um, I'm wrapping ministry makers in under Kendra D Carroll ministry make, uh, Kendra D Carroll ministries for ministry makers as that is, um, my baby, although we have other teams in that we are going to Noah in a couple of weeks and we're going to have so much to share in all of that. And, um, yeah, just much more to come. Uh, praying for you guys, letting you always reach out from the website or, uh, you can even email the last email I gave or info at uh, info dot ministry makers at gmail.com and then the website www.kendra.com bye guys now don't overcomplicate this ministry is any way that you serve people and show the love of God doing it you can still carry the gospel and pay to house you can carry the gospel and write a newspaper. <laughs> you can carry the gospel and do so many more things than the limited mind thinking of what a ministry is just going on a mission trip overseas. Our world needs people to love on people. And your ministry can be simply 
the way that you love on people through what you do of what you are already called, gifted, and equipped to do.